Blog Talk Radio. here on a brand new show, um, and we're joined here on this show here with Jane Clarkston, um, and The Shrouded Caverns um, is her um, new book, The Shrouded Caverns, and we do have listed here on the show page her website. You can click on the website link that's listed on the show page right now, and automatically will take you on over to her site. Um and um so and uh I'm really, really looking forward to um all that uh, we're gonna be discuss- discussing this hour. Um well the show's about uh, forty minutes in length by this show. Uh, very much. Um so let's go to the phone lines here and uh let's bring uh Jan on to the show. Welcome to Journey in the Light. Good evening. So happy to be with you. Well, I'm glad that you are here very much, and um, so uh, I always like to get started um, by letting uh, the listeners know a little bit about yourself, so um, can you let us all know what kind of got you to this point here? Well, that's a book in itself, but <laughs> <Yeah>. a <laughs> abbreviated um, chapter was my education was in management, and I did a career switch back around 1990 and became a stress management counselor and hypnotherapist. And then in 1998, I was awakened one night by the brightest light I have ever seen, and it was in a chalk drawing form of a human. Very peaceful. I sat straight up in bed and was mesmerized by it, but above it was the words authentically and then the letter U, not Y-O-U. And this is before everyone got into texting, where we were abbreviating everything. And I tend to be a bit more on the formal side. Um, I looked at the light. I knew it was a book cover. Laid back down and fell into the most peaceful sleep that you can imagine. And then the next morning, literally when I awake and jump three feet off the bed, um, with my mind racing, I knew what I had seen, and I knew I had been wide awake, and I knew it was a book cover. And I called the Library of Congress, and no, there was no book by that title. I did a lot of lecturing. Um, I was an instructor at the University of Michigan. I worked in hospitals. And credibility was a very important thing for me. So you didn't um, really go around talking about having a nighttime visitor like that. I also, though, was not a writer. An author writing a book was something that I never dreamed of doing. And I tried tried to shrug it off, let it go. And this night would not leave me alone. Um, finally, about two years after, I decided, okay, we're going to look into this. 
but what am I going to write about? And out of the blue, I became fascinated by Egypt and the uh, Giza Plateau. And I think everyone has a natural curiosity about Egypt, and those pyramids are something that, you know, even with technology we have today, we cannot explain them. But I um, started reading and researching as much as I could on the pyramids, and by luck or the grace of God won, I emailed John Anthony West, who at the time was one of the leading um, archaeologists and Egyptologists on the pyramids, and he took me on as a mentor, and we spent many evenings chatting on the phone, and then later on, um, Dr. Robert Schock from Boston University, which with him and John Anthony West, they had gone in, I think it was around 1997, and actually done scientific testing and proved that that the Sphinx was at least 10,000 years old, if not older. And they presented everything to the scientific panels, and they became the laughingstock of the country. Um, Robert Schock also is one of the leading professors in his profession, and he's the one that goes in and can date stones and, and buildings in that. John went on to win an Academy Award that year for the best-winning documentary on the, on that with Charlton Heston as the um, MC. And I learned a lot from just talking to him that there is so much unexplained phenomena over there and things that people have reported and you're not reading about any of this. I mean, it's like it happens. The scientists know it happens. They either just claim it, throw it out, it's gone, or it gets pulled back um, into the ethers and people don't know about it. In my discoveries, I ran across a newspaper article that I found um, at the Great Library in London that back in the 30s there was a discovery of an underground city that had been found and it had made major newspapers all across the world, uh, particularly through Europe and Great Britain, that this city had, um, underground metropolis had cities that the foundations were so solid that you could go in and build homes on today. They had running water bathrooms, and these things were dated to be at least 4,000 years old. Now, I was born in the south, and uh, Appalachian Mountains, I didn't have a bathroom in the house that I was born in. So, I mean, the, so it's, I started to do more research and more research and to kind of make a long story short, come to the conclusion that um, there's an awful lot of information being hidden from society. And whether you want to call it um, a secret society, the Bilderberg Group, whatever you want to to put on it, there seems to be a group of people that is controlling the information that we're given, and I think a lot of it is to really keep us stupid. And I'll let I'll take a breath and let you jump in before we go into where I'm going to head with this next. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is really uh, fascinating to me too because you 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 there's so many discoveries um, you know being made and unless you're tuned in to uh, these certain areas you you don't hear about it. It's definitely not in the mainstream uh, news at all. And there's um, I mean those pyramids, like you said, by themselves are uh, there's so many questions about that and. Uh, 
and the discoveries that have already been made, um, I just find this, you know, incredible when you contacted me and that's, you know, so excited to bring you on the show uh, to find, you know, what's all in your book, The Surrounded uh, Caverns. Um, so, yeah, um, so, um, so, with, yeah, go ahead. Well, the book, I never, the book takes a a spiritual twist. And it actually, if you read the Da Vinci Code or the Celestine Prophecies, I've said it's a cross between the two. I was in the corporate world for many years, sat through way too many board meetings. So I have written the book as a thriller to where every chapter there's something happening and there's kidnapping and espionage and murder. And I mean, I, I keep it interesting. But at the same time, everything in the book is factual. Um, and I wrote the book to where people are going to think this can't be real, and yet they're going to be able to go to the computer and Google it and find out that this has actually happened. Um, what I found interesting in talking to, when I was talking to John Anthony West and also doing my research, I would ask him some questions. Those pyramids, there is any scientist that you talk to that has worked in that area, archaeologists, they all come back and say there's one thing. There is something supernatural there. There is a spirituality, a presence that you feel. And one story that I never forgot was that there has been um, several people who have gone to Egypt and they've gone through the tour, if you're lucky enough to be able to go into the pyramid, when they returned home, they found out that they no longer had the illness, whether it might be diabetes or a heart conditioning. Now, if you go to try to substantiate it, it's hard to do. But there's also uh, the people, a lot of people do the long-time meditations at night in those pyramids, and people hear uh, chanting and sounds and choruses. And I think one story that probably most people have heard, if you've done any um reading on the pyramids is that Napoleon spent a night there and he came running out about two-thirds of the way of the night through absolutely hysterical and even on his deathbed he refused to um, tell people what had occurred or what he saw because he said you wouldn't believe me. There is some theory and my book takes the theory that one of the uses the pyramid was built for is that underneath it is the mystery schools of Egypt. And that's where people were taught how to tap into this God-given gift that we have of um, power. And I really do believe that it's there, whether you call it your soul or what. God didn't put us on this planet to be helpless. And I always tell people in the Bible, um, in the New Testament, I think it's John 14, verse 12. He told the disciples before he descended, you can do what I have done and even greater things. Well, to be honest, most of us have trouble getting out of bed in the morning. So when you look at the difference of um, what biblical texts, and of course your Bible, too, is one of the four most history books of what actually was going on back in that time frame, we're not living near the capacity of where we should be today. And, um, you know, and I'm, and I'm not trying to turn this, the book is not a, a religious book, but there is, there's just no way you can write about this matter without getting into the spiritual manifestations that exist there and the experiences that people have had and the unknown. But um, 
I always like to go back and, and try to remind people that the power that we all hold within, and most of us think of ourselves as being either victims of circumstance or, you know, we're not good enough or, or all the other titles that we can put on ourselves, didn't have the right education, um, our family background, that we didn't have the opportunities to, to do what we wanted to do. And I really don't believe that. But I do think society plays into that to reinforce it. And I have a real concern right now um, with children because I think all, I all, we've all heard, and I'm a big believer, that you know, small children, um, if they don't like a person or if they don't like an animal, pay attention because I think we're born with this knowing, but we are told by our parents, don't be silly. And by the time we're five or six years old, we've discarded it. Um, and how you tap back into it is, number one, being aware of it. But what we're doing today, instead of helping children expand their own creativity and uh, tap into their own beautiful, wondrous beings and souls, is everything's turned into computers and smartphones. And now at a very young age, it's not unusual for a kindergartner even to have a smartphone and it consumes their every thought. Um, the imagination and playing in a world of pretend has become a lost art of childhood, and the, their minds and the thoughts are controlled by computerized programming, and the parents may be aware of it, but unfortunately most adults now, it's a two-income family, and they're just too busy to notice that uh, they're running in circles trying to live up to the expectations that our new society says we should be doing. So we have these preset ideas, particularly here in America, of what um, our home life should be like and what you should be doing, what you should be wearing, um, planning for your child's college education when they're three years old and, you know, the kids have to have the special preschools and prep schools to get them ready to go to kindergarten. And it is necessary. Um, schools are not the way they were when we went. But we're going at such a fast pace that we're becoming a very, very, very hypnotized society. And back in October um, of 2016, prior to the election, I was so mesmerized and also dismayed a lot having friends of both political affiliations last year, and people couldn't even have a civil argument and it finally dawned on me, if you're, really, if you're a Democrat, there were certain TV stations and news networks you watched. And if you were a Republican, there was certain networks that you watched. And uh, the same thing went for the independents. And going between the three of them and kind of scanning, it's almost like a hypnotic state. And I wrote a press release that actually went worldwide. I was surprised it was picked up very heavily by the financial community and also in Europe. But it was called, Have Voters Become a Mass of Hypnotized Zombies with the Media in Command? And um, it basically recounted the constant blasting of 24-hour news, the iPads, cell phones, our minds are controlled by high-tech programming that we have become a society very susceptible to hypnotic suggestion in this fast-paced modern-day lifestyle to where there's little time to think or question the news 
that's been reported. And the majority of people now look to the airways, whether it be their um, radio, TV, or whatever type of computerized device they're using, for factual truths. And they use this information to deem that it's correct. And they use the data to what they believe and think is fact. The more we do this, the more we're getting away from our own innate abilities to be able to function and to tap into these God-given powers um, that, that, you know, call it intuition, call it knowing, but knowing which direction to go into making the decisions instead of just really becoming a motorized robot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true, very true. Um, that's, you know, the world we live in, unfortunately. And uh, so is is that what you... Um, you teach, um, you, which people find in the book, because um, I, I, I believe that, yeah. Well, I, I, I was, I still, I was, um, up until 2014, was still teaching as a, and working as a stress management counselor, both at universities and hospitals. Very proven that meditation is very beneficial now for people reducing stress, boosting their immune system. Um, The power of our mind is something that I don't think anyone can really fully grasp how powerful we really are, and this is really what the book's about. But the book itself kind of is a... it, It takes the fact, and it has fictional characters, although my main character actually is based on a real doctor who I, I met many years ago, who um, was highly evolved, and he was the one that really kind of opened my eyes on the fact that medical science knew a lot of things, and yet um, they weren't being taught in medical school. And, you know, unfortunately, and doctors are wonderful, they, they save lives, but it's, doctors are scientists, and if they can't uh, see it or prove it, operate on it or prescribe a pill, they really can't do a whole lot. So my book is really taking um, the history of Egypt, a lot of this phenomenal information that I think goes back to the mystery schools that a lot of people think were underneath the Great Pyramid of Giza. And uh, the quest of being quiet, and that sounds so simple, to just quiet your mind. And, of course, a lot of people, if you say meditation, they get all these thoughts of, um, you know, sitting cross-legged and singing Om, and there actually is a lot of power in in, in Om. I've done it, but I have found from teaching most people, Americans anyway, are, are not comfortable doing it, at least not in a group. But just being able to take a deep breath and let go, it is virtually impossible to keep your mind still for a minute without having some thought come across it. We don't think anymore. We are um, just functioning in this fast-paced world that's getting faster and crazier to where we are programmable. And um, I think, in my own opinion, and it was a very, this was one of the parts of the book when I was writing it that I really gave a lot of attention and contemplation to because I didn't want to offend um, anyone particularly the the religious groups in that, but we are being drawn so far away from our true roots 
and I do believe spirituality is who we are. Um, a number back in the 90s, again, it was the front page of, I think it was Newsweek magazine, that they had the scientists come forth and say that, you know, our our brains are wired for spirituality. And then CNN did a report um, also on the fact that they had, with the Dr. Andrew Newberg, a neurologist who had done all kinds of research with the scans on the brain and the frontal lobes in that that control our consciousness in that and when they're activated on the differences that it can make. So it's there, but we're not using it, and we're being drawn further and further and further away from these God-given gifts. The book, after it goes through, um, it's an interesting story. The main character is a oncologist who is in his 50s, who is a widower. His children have grown up, and he's dismayed with the medical system with all the red tape and the restrictions. And uh, he has a good friend who is an archaeologist, ends up in Egypt. They run into problem after problem. He is the main character, ending up, though, in the um, mystery schools of Egypt where he meets up with the master and is shown his own power and what we're all capable of doing. Um, the reviews that the book's been getting on Amazon have been really wonderful and that, and very grateful for that. But it's an awakening book, and one of them in particular that, that I found was a very short review, but they said this book has the ability to change someone's life. So the book's written to be fast-paced. It's entertaining. If you like the Da Vinci Code, if you like the Celestine Prophecies, there is some spirituality once you get into those master, the mystery schools in Egypt. But it's going at a pace, um, and at the same time, you're given a vision of what our life used to be like, where we're at today, and where we're headed if we don't awaken and grasp our own true abilities and powers that we hold. So it's a book that I hope when you're done reading it, um, it's one of those that haunts you. And I hope people talk about it. Well, great. I think the the book can definitely... uh have a whole lot of information, but also uh, unlock those uh, cells uh, within you to uh, do more than uh, you know work a cell you know cell phone uh, iPhone. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I think well, we're meant you know, to do a lot more than that. We are, and yet we all. I mean, our world without our toys, for a better word to call them, we all would be lost. I would be also. I have an iPhone mm-hmm. and. You know, you use it for navigation, um, you want to know where something is, you Google that, and, I mean, it's so easy. But I think I read an article recently that most people are looking at their iPhones now once every 15 minutes. And with the amount of um, data being um, blasted at us, and it's particularly, like I say, the kids I worry about, it's mind-boggling. We're told how much we should weigh how much you should be eating, what you should be eating, how much money you should be making, how much money you should be spending on Christmas presents. I mean, you know, what you should be wearing this year, and and you know what I'm saying, just yada, 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 to where we don't think anymore. We really are becoming um, almost the clone-type things that we have seen in our science fiction movies for a long time. The truth is out there, and it's very frustrating to me going back to the pyramid uh, 
the big story that broke, I think, around 2002, and I may be off a year or two on that date when they found that hidden door in the Queen's Chamber, that was huge. And it took them another 10 to 15 years before they finally went in there and investigated it. Um, Excuse after excuse. I stay in touch with the archaeologist, and I attend every two years. There's a a major conference where all the scientists gather and they talk about discoveries that's been made or scientific research that's going on that's indicating um, certain developments. And now on the pyramids, uh, I know Robert Schock now is saying that the Sphinx itself now could, instead of being 10 to 15,000 years old, could be as as old as 30,000 years B.C. So... No question that there was also another civilization here that was highly more evolved than we are. When we read about going into the Dark Ages in our history books, we I mean, that's just a drop in the bucket of what really happened. But there, um, I, I think our history books are far from being accurate, and with the technology we have now to be able to document things, it's becoming more and more evident that things are not as we believed them for so long to be. And the truth of the matter is, um, you're not just a average person. I think all of us have been given incredible powers, and what I'm trying to do is help people become conscious of that and to tap into it. One thing that I had happened to myself years ago when I was a single mom with three kids in college, and uh, the job that I work for, the company was acquired by a firm out of New York, and the first thing that they did was come in and let go all of the Detroit staff. And I found myself unemployed with three kids in college, which was not a good place to be. And it also was in one of our little recession-type periods. Um, I decided to sell the house because the kids weren't there anymore. The house sat on the market forever. I couldn't get a buyer and unemployment was running out, and, I mean, it really looked as if I was going to have to throw in the keys and possibly even go into foreclosure. I I wrote the story on my website if anyone's interested in looking at it. But the long story made short, I totally gave it up, gave it to God, and uh, came home from work one day, got the mail out of the mailbox, and I was so discouraged, just threw it down on a credenza, didn't even open it that night. The next morning I opened a letter and it was from an insurance company that I had never heard of and they were aware of some work that I had done uh, with some seminars on emergency planning and they were wanting to um, put a department together in their firm and wanted to talk to me. So that was exciting. I thought, gosh, maybe I have something going career-wise or job-wise there. So I went out later that day to get that current day's mail, and there was someone had taken a brown paper bag, and they had tore it. And they said, we know you've been trying to sell your house, have friends who have got to move, would like to move into the school district, and they scribbled a phone number. And I dialed the phone number, got an answering machine, left a message. Later that night they called back, and they um, made an appointment to see the house the following day, which was a Sunday. Liked it, made an offer on the spot. The following Monday, I went in, met with the insurance company, and uh, was offered a position as well as they bought out the small 
consulting firm that I had ran an emergency planning from my home. So I've always said, and I call that angels in the mailbox, what are the odds of having a company that you don't even know existed contact you with a job when you needed it most and having your house sell the very same day by someone, again, that you had no idea who they were, and it was all all way too coincidental. So, you know, I think when we get our energy and our consciousness lined up the wrong, the right way, we open ourselves up to miracles. And um, so I always tell people, never give up, regardless of what you're fighting, whether it be an illness or career or relationship, because I truly have had them happen in my life, and I do believe we all are capable of manifesting these um, God-given occurrences, and I think a lot of it is being open to it and opening, learning not to focus so much on what's wrong, but keeping your mind open to the fact that uh, we are powerful and you can attract what you need to straighten your life around and get it back on the right course. Yeah, wow, that's that definitely a miracle. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, it story. was at the time, you know. Turn my life around, and I have a good friend. If I'm ever perplexed over something, she'll always say to me, have you gone out and checked your mailbox today? So, I mean, you know, some things just can't be explained. Um, uh-huh. the, the, the light in that outline form that I had back in 1998, some people have said, you know, it was a dream. Well, I can't prove it one way or another. I am convinced I was awake, but if it was a dream, it changed my life because it took me 16 years to get this book written. After um, after I finally decided what I was going to write about the subject matter, I had to learn to write. And it went through many um, drafts and then finding a publisher and getting it published. And in 2014, it was supposed to come out in September, and the love of my life was diagnosed with um, terminal cancer, and I had to pull it um, until after he made his transition, and so it finally came out about a year ago. But, you know, this book became something that, regardless if it succeeded or it failed, I had to do because I can think of nothing more frightening than to be on your deathbed and looking back on your life and wondering what if. So I'd rather fail at something, and I say this to other people too, than to, to look back and say what if. Um, and that's another thing too. Our, we're all so self-conscious in the world we're living in today on, you know, on our appearance and education and, and income and that, that it, it makes us hesitant to really go out and do what we want to do fear of failure, and that is, I think, one of the greatest sins of all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a great point, too. Um, people are are afraid, to, you know, to fail, um, but um, <laughs> you will never succeed unless you put yourself out. Um, you know, no, I forget how many times Benjamin Franklin failed uh-huh. before he uh, finally had his telephone working and, and, you know, the electricity and that. So, no, you're, you know, fear is a horrible thing, and that's just an illusion. <laughs> but um, we've gone in a lot of territory. But to, but to recap, the book is a, is a good book. It's, it's a type of book. It's a thriller. I wrote it to where when you pick it up, hopefully you can't put it down. But I think it opens people's eyes with 
data that's in there. And as I say, I wrote it to where they're going to think this can't be true, and they're going to Google and find out it is. A lot of things that are being withheld from us and also open them up to the possibility of what they're capable of being and doing. And particularly, I'm kind of grateful to talk to you this time of year because as wonderful as this season is, it can be a very stressful season for a lot of people. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter how dark today is, tomorrow's a brand new day and a brand new start. And just like with my mailbox, things just appearing out of nowhere, it happens. And I love reading the um, miracle-type stories that people write. You know, they do happen, and they can happen to anyone. I think you just have to be open and ready for them and never, ever give up. Yeah, definitely. Um, how can people find your book? What's the best ways? Well, probably Amazon. Um, Amazon pretty much rules the world. You can go into the bookstores, and it can be ordered through the bookstores if it's not stocked. Or Amazon, I think if you depending on where you live, you, you order it one day, you have it the next day. It's both available on um, the ebook and also in the paperback, and it's going to be coming out probably around February on on the Audible version, too, which it's exciting to have that happen, but in a way it's disturbing because people, and even close friends and family have said, boy, I want to read your book, but I don't have time. So now what seems to be the new trend in books is people are buying them to, um, to listen to in their car. So that version will be coming out shortly after the new year. Okay, well, great. Yeah, that's definitely uh, the way I prefer books. Um, so um, that's a great way, uh, definitely, of, of you know wanting to read a book um, and when your time is short. Um, so, well, this has been really fascinating. I really have enjoyed it. Um, uh, it's phenomenal. Um, and uh, so thank you so much for uh, doing what you do, writing this book. It helps so many and um, you have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's, and, and hopefully we do this again in the new year. Very good, and Merry Christmas to everyone, too. God bless. All right, God bless. All right, good night. All right, and again, you can pick up the book here. We do have the website linked, uh, linked up here on the show page, so you can click on that. Automatically, it will take you over to uh, Jane's uh, website. Okay, we're going to take a short break here. We'll be back at the top of the hour with a uh, fantastic mediumship roundtable coming up. Uh, Two really great mediums together taking your call here at the top of the hour. Thanks for listening uh, to this episode. Thanks, Carol.